Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made their long furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God. How are we doing this morning? Everybody having a good day so far? I hear all the dogs barking outside, so uh, kind of a strange thing, I guess. But uh, welcome to church this morning. Um, I'm excited to be with you uh, and share God's word and dig into God's word this morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Taylor. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here and overseeing youth and some things like that. And so uh, I'm excited to be with you. We are in uh, the, the middle, uh, towards the end of this journey, this series called Journey Up, where we're looking at the Songs of Ascent in the book of Psalms, uh, which is Psalm uh, 120 through 134. And I'm excited to tackle a few more of those as we look into the scriptures this morning. But before we uh, jump into that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that uh, we have the opportunity to come here and uh, study the scriptures together, to sit in, the, in your presence together. Uh, so God, we just ask for revelation of your word. Lord, teach us something new this morning uh, that we not only apply to our lives, but use that to uh, introduce others to Jesus. So we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. All right, well, today I want to bring you a message entitled, Hopeful Perseverance. Hopeful perseverance. And as Joshua read a few moments ago, he read Psalm 129. And so we're going to look at 129 mostly uh, this morning uh, with a little bit from Psalm 130 uh, as we, uh, you know, journey through our, our text this morning. And so before we go any further, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been on like a journey before? Uh, when I say journey in this context, I don't mean like one of those fun family, family trips or adventures or vacations or anything like that. I mean, one of those experiences that you have that you are ready for it to be over when it started. Anybody ever had one of those? Um, I, when I was preparing this and, and thinking about our theme today, uh, which is uh, in the title was Perseverance and Hope, um, I was reminded of this experience that I had uh, several years ago. I was in ministry school, and we did this new thing in our ministry school. Uh, when I get together with my classmates, we joke um, about how when we were there, uh, we were the guinea pigs of this ministry school. We were the first uh, graduating class uh, of this college, and so uh, they tried a lot of stuff out on us. One of those things was what we called expedition. And uh, this particular year, which I'm pretty sure they learned their lesson, was in uh, right in the middle of December, so it was freezing cold. I'm from North Alabama, and so when you're during the winter there, it gets really cold. Uh, you kind of 
kind of similar to here. Like one day when you wake up, it's like 40, and then by lunchtime it's 80, and you know you get everything. You get all the seasons all in one day. And they decide that we're going to do this expedition. And uh, I wasn't very excited from the get-go because the way we were separated into teams was in our intramural uh, team. And uh, I was the oldest in our team. And for two reasons, that was a terrible thing or placement because, <coughs> excuse me, I was the only one old enough to be on the church's insurance to drive a vehicle. So um, I was involuntarily nominated to drive the van uh, for this whole weekend. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Fort Payne, Alabama before, but uh, there's kind of a mountain in Fort Payne, I'm more of like a glory, glorified hill or something like that with some cliffs and things that you could rappel down and all that good stuff. So Fort Payne, Alabama is actually a pretty good drive from Birmingham. So by the time we left Birmingham really early in the morning and got to Fort Payne, I was already ready to go back and go home. Um, I'm from Gadsden, Alabama, so it's like halfway between Birmingham and uh, Fort Payne, and I'm trying to figure out how I could text my parents. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be standing next to this tree on the interstate. Come get me and take me home, okay? And so basically the whole goal of this was kind of like an amazing race type deal. You're in your team, you have these obstacles that you have to do, uh, but what they didn't tell us, and I don't think they were even prepared either, was that the first, um, the first game or first obstacle was that they dropped us off or we pulled up to this empty field, and in this field was gallon Ziploc bags, with a GPS in it, and we were supposed to find them. And they were, you know, divided by your team or color-coded or whatever. And uh, they told us to make a compass out of, like, hair and water and a stick and aluminum foil. And I don't know if that really works, but we were all out there doing this. And uh, I still don't think it works, but needless to say, we were the last one to find our bag. And uh, so, again, I'm already done for the weekend. I don't want to be there. I, it's freezing cold. I can't feel my toes. Um, we finally find our bag, only to find out that this GPS is one of those old-school GPSs, not e like even older than a TomTom. -Tom. I don't know if anyone in here remembers those. You, like, stick to your window, and it even tells you how fast you're going and uh, all that stuff. Older than that. Like, it looked like an old walkie-talkie you bought from Walmart, and you had to plug in the coordinates, longitude and latitude, to get to where you're going. Like, it didn't tell you to, like, you know, next red light, turn right. It didn't tell you any of that. It just beat. Like, none of us could use that. We don't know how to use that. Like, we had zero training to use that. And it gets way worse, I'm telling you. Um, so this glorified hill that I was telling you about is steep enough to really make you car sick in a hurry. And uh, I'm driving, and our, we're just driving up and down and around and winding around. And basically what happens is we drive, I kid you not, for eight and a half hours trying to find our second obstacle in an eight-mile radius. Like, just went in circles for eight and a half hours. We took so long to find it, our next best option was just to go to our assigned campsite where we then found out it was a goat pen on some family's farm. And uh, they didn't give us a tent. Uh, they gave us a rope and a blue tarp. 
And so this is just, I don't know what kind of ministry school this was, but uh, I was ready to quit, right? And uh, so this was like for two nights. Like we had to camp two nights, drive around two nights. The full day wasn't, or the second day wasn't that good either, but we found another van, so we just followed them and pretend that we were supposed to go to that obstacle, so we knew where we were going. And it was just this terrible experience all together. And on that second day, we're all fighting. We're ready to go home. Um, and the part I left out is that we were assigned, each team, a tour guide, so to speak, from this company, True Adventure Sports in uh, Fort Payne. She knew exactly where to go the whole time. So kudos to her because I would have gone insane. She couldn't tell us where to go. So she was part of this eight-mile, eight-hour journey um, the first day. Uh, I don't remember if she camped out with us or not, uh, but we finally tried to bribe her. Like, hey, I have a cliff bar in my backpack. You can have it if you tell us where to go. And she said no, and so that didn't help. But she did say something that stuck with me and will always stick with me. She said, you know, when you're on a journey, it's not about the destination, it's about what you learn along the journey to the destination. And boy, did we learn a lot. You know, self-control without beating up someone in the van for just having a terrible attitude. Um, we weren't even allowed to use the radio, I don't think. So it just it was a bad experience. But um, I remember that because I learned a lot of patience on that journey to it. But... We capped off that whole weekend with this big worship night inside of this cave in the pitch dark. I know this whole experience is getting weirder and weirder <laughs> by the story, but nonetheless, it was, it was very powerful. We had on headlamps. They're like, hey, let's just make it even more spiritual and turn all of them off. And literally couldn't see my hand in front of my face. So uh, I guess it helps you rely on your faith, right, uh, that you didn't step off into the abyss and a crevice next to you or something like that but so I learned a lot you know it's the journey on the way to the destination in life a lot of the destinations that we're focused on we will not be able to successfully experience that destination without being prepared by the journey right and so we get this and we experience this by even looking at the whole reason we have the songs of ascent it's a journey these people are traveling up to the temple to participate in these festivals and the things that they do every couple years, and they're singing songs. What are they singing about? They're singing about how faithful God is and what God's done in their life and what God rescued them from. But one thing that they're also singing about that I think we see in our text for today is that they're singing about their suffering. They're singing about the hard parts of their journey, not just to never forget those moments, but to remember God's faithfulness in their suffering and in their pain and how that there was purpose in their pain and there was um, hurt in their journeys. If you look all throughout history, the children of Israel, the Israelites, they suffered all the time from the moment they were rescued in slavery in Egypt so the minute they were rescued, they were always on the run. And there's a quote by Derek uh, Kidner that says this. It says, whereas most nations tend to look back on what they have achieved, Israel reflects here on what she has survived. 
It can be a disheartening exercise for Zion. Still it has its, all, its ill-wishers, but the singers take courage from the past, facing God with gratitude and their enemies with defiance. I love that because we all, like, from the surface level, we all try to forget what hurt us. We all try to forget the pain we felt. But the key word out of what we're going to pull from chapter 129 is perseverance. You can't persevere through anything if you don't remember what you're going through. Perseverance is something that sharpens us. It's something that keeps us grounded. If you want something to test your faith, learn how to persevere. It builds your faith. You grow in faith. And it's important to understand that. Today, my prayer for you is not just to take things from the Psalms to apply to your life and it just sound good, but I want you to truly experience what the benefits are of being able to persevere and being able to hold tight to who God has called you to be. Because if you think about and even look at Israel as a whole throughout history, like I mentioned a second ago, from their time in Egypt to the minute they were rescued from Egypt, and then, you know, we have the parting of the Red Sea, and then God shows up then, and then from that point on, they're in the wilderness. They're fighting other nations. They're trying to get to where they need to go. They're doubting God. They built the golden calf. They did all this stuff. But then even in order to take the promised land and the blessings that God had for them, they had to fight for it. When you fight for something, there's pain attached to it. But if we can learn to persevere through it, we will see God's blessing in our life. All throughout history, from Egypt to Babylon to Rome and the New Testament, the Jewish people were always persecuted, but yet they never went away. They always overcame. They always grew through it. And then we even see in kind of our history that we've grown up in, in World War II and what Hitler did to the Jews They were persecuted, but yet they still rose above it. They even became their own nation in 1948. And I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but it never got any better for them. You'd think it would, but it didn't. Shelby and I went to Israel several years ago, and I was blown away by that. That even within the Jewish community, there's persecution going on because they can't even figure out what they actually believe. If you go to the Wailing Wall... 95% of the people that are praying there are praying for Jesus to come the first time. But then you have those same people that that are persecuting, uh, persecuting Messianic Jews because they believe that Jesus has already come and they're preparing the way for the second coming. And then up on the Temple Mount that used to be the Holy of Holies is a Muslim mosque and they stand up there and throw rocks down on people that are trying to come up there because they disagree with what they believe in. When we were there, when we were there, there was a stabbing in the old city, which is right next to the road, pretty much the road where Jesus carried his cross for the simple fact of being Jewish. In Israel, in the country of Israel, the day we left, there was a riot right at the base of the temple because of the Muslims throwing rocks down on the Jewish people trying to celebrate what they wanted to celebrate. Persecution. Perseverance comes from uh, persecution. You're going to face trials. You're going to face troubles. But the only way to see what God has done 
is by persevering. And when I think of perseverance, there's a word that goes hand in hand with perseverance, and that is endurance. We all know what endurance is. For you runners out there, you can enjoy running unless you have endurance. I don't have any of it. That's why I don't run. But uh, I was telling the first service, um, we were hanging out one weekend playing basketball, and I'm thinking like, they're like, hey, let's go play basketball. I'm thinking we're going to play cow or horse or something that the only effort you're using is to shoot the ball at the basket. And it turns into this basketball game, and I'm thinking, okay, first to ten, we'll play by twos and threes, all this stuff. And, like, I'm hacked within, like, three minutes in. Pastor Luis is over here running circles around everyone. I feel like Kevin James from the Grown Ups when he's, like, you know, leaning on the other guy from the other team, and he's, like, saying his insides are burning. Like, that's how I feel. I don't like to run. I tell people I only run from zombies, and that's never going to happen. So I guess I'm never going to run. But running takes endurance. Life takes endurance, right? You're going to face things that hurt, and you're going to face things that happen to you that you wasn't your fault, or that it, maybe it was an accident, but you have to endure. You have to build endurance. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And it's so fitting that these words come from Paul himself. If there was anyone that needed perseverance in the Bible, it was Paul. He took the same beating that Jesus took before he was nailed to the cross more than one time, three times, I believe. He was shipwrecked. He was spent most of his life in prison. I mean, if I would have experienced one of those things, it's like, God, please take me home because this is not going to be good. I don't want to deal with that. But Paul knew what the goal was. Paul knew that if he persevered, it was not going to be for him to be successful on this earth, but it was preparing his, his journey up to eternity. And that's who we can learn from. And whether we look closely at the children of Israel and them singing these psalms and all this stuff, or we even look at Paul's life or Job's life or all these different things, perseverance is what got them to the blessing of God in their life. And so I think, you know, when we look through these scriptures, there's three things that we can apply, three things that we can grow in. If you're taking notes, the first thing is that we have to accept it. You have to accept what's going on in your life. And I don't know what that means for you today, but maybe it's a mistake you made and you feel guilt and shame from it. Maybe someone did something to you that you're ashamed of, that you don't want to be a part of. Maybe you're not remotely where you thought you would be in your life and it makes you feel depressed. It makes you feel like, it makes you feel discouraged. But if you don't accept where you are, accept what's happened to you, Accept what's going on in your life. You're never going to be able to per persevere through it. If you just try to forget it, if you just try to move on, if you just try to pretend it didn't happen, then the devil is going to use that all the time to get back to you and rob you from the joy that God has for you. But if we can learn with this strength to persevere, then we'll see God move in our lives. I just shared that verse from Romans. I love how the last by byproduct of it is hope. 
It's almost like you can't get hope without persevering. You can't get hope without character. You can't get hope without endurance. And I'm not just talking about hope like a wish, like, oh man, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or I hope my car doesn't get towed out back because I parked there and the whole road's closed off, right? I hope it's not that kind of hope. It's hope in eternity. It's hope in what the work of the cross did for us. It's hope in knowing that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he promised he's going to do. That's hope. That's where we're trying to get, but we have to accept it. And Psalm 129 verses 1 and 2 says, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. And this is what I want you to hold on to. Yet they have not prevailed against me. And so you can imagine what they're singing about. Maybe they didn't specifically experience what their parents did or what their ancestors did, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, all the way down the line, wherever they found themselves in history, they're probably facing things in that point. But they knew and they stood on the grounds that no matter what they faced, it would not prevail against them. And it hadn't yet. And it wasn't going to. So they're singing to the Lord. They know that they have accepted it. They've accepted their persecution. They've accepted their pain. They've accepted the the lies of the enemy. And they move on, giving it to God. And now they're able to see what God wants to do in their life. We can't live this shocked life. When something bad happens to us, we can't be shocked by it. We live in the enemy's domain, right? The devil himself did all of that to Job. But Job Job didn't curse God. He lost everything. The only thing he didn't lose was his wife that kept nagging him to curse God and die, right? (laughs) But he lost all of it. But he never did. He stayed faithful. He had the three annoying buddies that were terrible friends. Terrible friends. Those are the kind of friends that you won't make in our small groups. If you want to join one, they'll be accountable. But he stayed faithful to God. He accepted everything that was going on in his life. And what happened? Not only did God repay everything he lost, but it was doubled tenfold. Like God is faithful. He sees you in your troubles, but we can't live this life shocked when something bad happens to us. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, happening to you. If you completely, we have to play, we have to play offense. We can't just play defense. We can't wait for the attacks to come or hope that they don't come. The Bible doesn't say if they come or they might come. It's a guarantee. You're going to face troubles. They're going to come. But what we have to do is stand firm in our faith, accept what's happening so that we can see what God's doing. We can't try to figure it out on our own. A few weeks, the last couple of weeks in youth, we've been, we were going through this series uh, called Before I Go. And it was kind of this story of, uh, or talk and discussion about um, the last messages that Jesus gave the disciples before he ascended into heaven. And so I was excited to talk about this uh, with our youth because, you know, it's those aged in that age where you really are trying to even figure out who you are, but you're trying to juggle stuff that's already happened to you. So how do you do that? And what we talked about was that there is actually power in remembering. 
There's power in remembering. We've all been through some stuff. We've all, all been through painful stuff, and the easiest way possible would be like, you know, the whole saying, forgive and forget. Yeah, just let it go. Don't do that. <laughs> there is power in remembering. It's almost like remembrance is an art that we need to hold on to because when we remember the hard times, we see the path and faithfulness of God through those times. And it's important to do that. You know, in, in the Bible, when Jesus, in, in the book of Luke, at the Last Supper, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Could it be that he's not, he's telling the disciples, hey, don't just remember the fun things, the powerful things we did. Don't just remember that we fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and that you saw me walk on water. We raised Lazarus from the dead, all this stuff. Don't just remember that, but remember the outcome after you were rejected. Remember how much you grew from the pain you felt through this experience. Like I can imagine Peter after he failed so miserably and denied Jesus three times and the rest of the disciples just bailed on him in the garden that they heard this. Remember this. Remember. Do this in remembrance of me. No matter what you feel, I died for you. No matter what shame you felt, I died for you. No matter what sin you have in your life, I died so that you could be forgiven. I gave my life for you so that you could persevere. That's what it means, and that's why it's powerful to persevere. And once we accept it, and once we grow from that, number two, we have to benefit from it. We can benefit from it. No matter how bad you hurt, how far away you feel, what you're struggling with, whether it was your fault or something done to you, there's purpose in it. There will be nothing that will ever happen to you in your life that God has not attached some kind of purpose to it. Nothing. Whether it was a mistake or not, you will have purpose that is attached to it, but you have to accept it first. In Psalm 129, 3 through 4, it says, The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous, he has cut the cords of the wicked. And so obviously when you're reading this, you're getting kind of this imagery of farming or the process of farming. I don't know if you've uh, grown up around a farm, but uh, I grew up, my neighborhood that I grew up in was kind of cut out of a farm. And so you always saw what was going on. You saw them planting the seeds. You saw them plowing the ground, planting the seeds. Then it, then it was just quiet, right? There was not much going on. It would look like it didn't work. The, you know, in North Alabama during that time, it gets real dusty and maybe even turns yellow from all the pollen. And uh, you're sneezing every time you go outside, but you never see anything. And then out of nowhere, out of the ground comes the produce. By my house, it was corn and it was cotton. And you knew that it was fixing to harvest when the, the uh, stalks of corn were about seven or eight feet tall. Or if the cotton had completely bloomed that it looked like snow in the summertime. And then the tractors would come out, the trailers would come out, they would you know, harvest everything, put it in there, and then take it away and do it all over again. And so it's seed, the principle of the seed. Jesus talked about this all the time. There's power in the seed that you plant. There's power in the seed that you plant. So when you're trying to persevere through something, if you're planting seeds of doubt, and seeds of fear, and seeds of pain, seeds of depression, you're never going to be able to see what God has because you only see what the enemy is convincing you of. 
But regardless of the situation that you're in or the experience that you're in, no matter how bad it is, if you could get to the place where you're planting seeds of faith and seeds of thankfulness and seeds of anything that comes from the Bible, love, joy, peace, if you can plant seeds of that when the harvest comes, you're going to be able to see what God has been showing you the entire time. And I, I struggle with this. When I was reading all of this and preparing all of this, like, I was actually supposed to preach next week. Um, I don't remember what those topics were, but me and Pastor Ray swapped because I'm going to be out of town. And when I was like, oh, perseverance and hope, great. <laughs> I struggle with both of these. And when I'm thinking about benefit from it, I, I'm not good at that. I want to, you know, like the Grinch, I want to wallow around in self-pity, right? I want, I want people to feel bad for me. I want people to try to help. I, like, and it's such a bad habit. But what you can benefit from is when you accept it. And I've shared this story a million times up here from the pulpit. But I learned this a lot a few years ago, um, about a year before we moved here, maybe less, six months before we moved here. Uh, Shelby and I found out we were pregnant with our second child and pretty much immediately found out that we had had a miscarriage right after that. And I remember, you know, just from the get-go, it never seemed like it was going right. And then when it became official, I couldn't even go to the doctor with Shelby. I was at home with Olivia, and the only thing I knew to do was to call my mom. I guess I'm, I'm a mama's boy, so I called my mom. I broke down. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, how could God let this happen? All this stuff. And for a while, like, we didn't tell many people because the only people that even knew we were pregnant was family, like a few family members at that. Um, you know, we haven't posted it on social media where literally everyone finds out at the same time. But uh, for a while, it was just hard. I did not want anything. Like, I'd been a pastor. I'd been in ministry. I was like, do I, I don't even want to do this anymore. You know, just all these seeds of, like, depression and anger and just being so mad that why did we have to go through it? And uh, I didn't share this part of it last service, but our best friends, I've been best friends with this guy since I was in 10th grade. Um, we actually talked him into moving from Florida back to Alabama so we could be closer only to move to Pensacola about three weeks after they moved back to Alabama. So it was great. But um we found out we were pregnant at the same time. We also miscarried at the same time. And, you know, we, they came to our house one day, and we just sat there and cried. Like, I've known this guy, Tim, never seen him cry. I don't know if he's ever seen me cry. We just all cried together. Like, it was just a hard thing. We walked through this together. We go through it together. God is just beginning to show us faithfulness. We move here to Pensacola. And uh, pretty much on the due date of the baby we lost, we found out we were pregnant with Amelia. She's asleep in the nursery right now. Um, and I remember just thinking how faithful God is. And not only that, my friend Tim, they also got pregnant. And our daughters, his daughter's name's Charlotte, mine's Amelia, they were born two days apart. And it's just a wild experience. And... I can't explain what I, I didn't do anything in that. <laughs> the, 
But it took me back to that place to where if I, I'm going to face trials, I still have questions. I still would love answers. But if I ever want to benefit through God's faithfulness, I have to accept it. And then I have to give it to God so that I can benefit from it in the first place. We may not ever have all the answers and we may still feel confused and have questions. But we have to continue to live our lives for God. I love the verse in Corinthians that said that our light and our momentary troubles are preparing for us an eternal glory that outweighs it all. The good and the bad. What hurts here on earth is only very small in the scheme of eternity. And that's where we're heading. That's our hope, is eternity. And so if we could get ourselves to a place where we've accepted it and we're starting to benefit from it and we continue to do good and to serve and to grow in our relationship with God, we can hold on to everything else that God promises. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in in due season will reap if you do not give up. One thing that Shelby always says is there's always a, a blessing on the other side of your obedience. And that was something that we held on to throughout that journey of miscarrying. Is that we're going to be obedient to where we are, despite the pain, despite what we're holding on to. We're going to be obedient. There's a blessing coming. And so I, I want to encourage you with that today. Don't give up. You could be knocking on the door to the very breakthrough and blessing that you've been chasing for years. Don't give up. Persevere. Let God move and mold you in everything that you're doing. And I promise you that if you do that, then you're able to do point three, which is to surrender it. I know they're very similar to the first two points, but to me, surrendering ties all of this together. It could maybe even been where we started. You can't get anywhere unless you surrender it, right? Maybe there's something for you today that that requires you to surrender. Maybe you've been living like this for far too long and it's time that you just live open-handed without all the answers. Sometimes you have to just get close to the one who does know the answers and that's good enough. That's where faith comes in. Live open-handed. Surrender it to God. Let him move in your life. And see what God is doing. Ben, if you want to go ahead and come on up as we close. When I was thinking about this, there's a verse that I used to say was like a life verse or maybe a refrigerator verse. And a couple years ago, God really showed me something completely different in this verse. And it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. To me, if there's one word that you could put around that passage of Scripture would be surrender. Because every one of us has been through something. Every one of us has had something done to us where we want, we just wish it would go away. We wish we could see the the plan or the purpose behind it, but we just can't see it. And then you, you read this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not trust yourself to figure it out. Not trust yourself 
to fix it or to create the purpose behind it, but to trust God with all your heart. And to not lean on your own understanding, meaning that you're just going to step out of the way and acknowledge him in all that you do. Thank him. Seek him. Run after him with everything you got. Acknowledge him with everything you have, and he will keep your path straight. This is what I don't think it's saying. I don't think this is saying that if you don't do those things, God's not going to keep your path straight as out of a sense of punishment. Like, well, if you would have just done this, I'd have kept your path straight. This is what I think it says. That if I trust God, if I trust the Lord with all my heart, and I don't lean on my own understanding, and I acknowledge him in everything that I do, I'm going to step out of God's way so that he can keep my path straight. Because if we're holding on with closed hands and we're trying to control the narrative of every situation we face, how can God keep our path straight? We're in the way. But I firmly believe today that if we can learn to persevere, God is wanting to restore something in your life. He's wanting to show you that there is purpose in the pain that you're feeling right now. Maybe he's asking you to persevere a little bit longer. But we must learn to persevere. And as I mentioned earlier, we have Psalm 130 as well. And I'll be honest, the first couple times I read this chapter, I was like, man, I don't see hope in this at all. Kind of, you know, looking for the easy way out. Uh, for the actual word hope. I didn't see it at first. But then I felt like the Lord showed me this verse. And it does have the word hope in it. I found it, by the way. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. So if you think about a watchman, you know, he's on guard, he's on watch. There is one guarantee in that whole thing. Morning is coming. Morning is coming. What does that mean for you? That if you hope in God, you hope in his word, breakthrough is coming. Perseverance will lead you into that eternal hope that only God can give you. There's nothing we can do on this side of heaven by our own ability that's going to get us to heaven. There's nothing. You can know every verse in the Bible. You could stand up here and quote it word for word. But if you don't know Jesus, you're just really smart. <laughs> but God has a hope for you. That hope is eternal, eternity. It's not a wish. Everything you're doing right now is preparing you for eternity. A place where there's no more pain. A place where there's no more suffering. So what is hopeful perseverance? This is the one thought I'll leave you with. You can't persevere without hope, but you can't hope without perseverance. So I don't know what, what that means for you today. I don't know what you brought in here, maybe that you're struggling with, but what I do know is that God knows and that he has a plan for you. The very pain or the very situation or season you're in, there's purpose behind it created by God. The devil may be wreaking havoc in your life right now. 
But what we have to hold on to is that God has a purpose behind that. He will win every time. And that because of that hope, we have a place to come in here and live our lives and fight, so to speak, from victory, not for it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to do anything to try to win. It's already been won. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but the only way to persevere is with a relationship with God. And so what I want to do when we close, um, with every head bowed, let's go ahead and do this a little bit different. Let's go ahead and stand our feet. We're going to get ready to worship in a few minutes, but this is what I want to do this morning. I want to pray for two groups of people. Maybe you're in here and you're not sure that you have that relationship with God. Or you've just been blown all around by the, the being let down by everything of this world. And you're just ready to accept where it is that you are, what's been going on in your life, to benefit from it, and then to, to surrender it. It starts and ends with a relationship with Jesus. If you want to experience eternity and you want to experience this hope that we're talking about, you have to have Jesus in your heart. You have to have a personal relationship with him. And all you have to do, simple prayer. All you have to do is say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I repent. I know I've fallen short. I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Lord, I accept what I, where I'm at. I accept what I'm going through. Help me to benefit from it. Most importantly, help me to surrender to you and give you all control. And Lord, I pray for whoever's in here that just feels like they don't have much left. They don't have much gas in the tank, so to speak. Lord, you are their strength. Lord, I pray that you fill their heart with eternity. And we know that that will outweigh anything that they're going through, anything that they're facing. There is nothing that they're faced that's ever going to be too big for you or too little for you concern. So we give it all to you right now. And as we go back into this song of worship to close out, I just challenge you, wherever you're at right now, just let's lift our hands. Let's give it all to God. Father, we thank you this morning. Uh, that you are our source of hope. You are our confidence. Eternity is our home. We are just here in this world. We're not of it. We're just part of it. We're passing through, regardless of what it is that we've gone through, regardless of what it is that we're struggling with, Father. We lay it at your feet. No longer will we live uh, close-handed. We open up our hands. We give you control. We surrender to you. Have your way in our lives, Lord. We persevere because of what you did on the cross. You are our hope. We give you this time in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.